If we could please turn on our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to begin in verse 15. And welcome to all the guests. I'm aware that there are some here due to the fact that your uh, nephew, niece, grandchild, good friend is graduating. You're in town for that, so welcome. It's great to have you. We had a great graduation uh, ceremony slash party slash dinner last night with all seven of the graduates, and uh, it was great. It was great to see everyone there, so thank you for coming. Those of you who are here from out of town, it is truly a privilege for us to have you here and to host you, and I trust that the Lord will speak to you this morning from Ephesians chapter 5. What we do is we preach from God's Word because we believe this Word, this Bible, is God's Word, uh, inspired given to us by God to understand his will, what's called his revealed will. So if you want a Bible, there's one in the back, there's a table right back here. It would help if you could read what I'm going to be speaking about. You could see the words, most importantly, God's word, uh, so that you could follow the, the argument. Uh, if you could think of it this morning, God is speaking to you this morning. God is, is making a case this morning from his word to you uh, about his will. So I would, I would suggest that you would listen. And uh, because God is the final arbiter, or as the Bible says, the final judge. And how we respond to his word defines our life, ultimately. So, let us listen to God's word carefully, shall we? Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 15. And the title of this message is, Watch Your Step. Ephesians five fifteen. Look carefully, then, how you walk. There you go. Watch your step. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And here we have the will of the Lord in our hands. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Before I pray, can I borrow your watch? Because I just realized that clock is no longer working. Thanks. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, thank you for the opportunity this morning to preach your word. Lord, thank you that you speak to us. You do not leave us without a witness. And uh, I pray that I would preach this word well and that you would give the spirit that my friends would listen well. And together we would obey it by the power of your spirit in Jesus name. Amen. Have you ever heard of the phrase walk the walk? It's almost always associated with talk the talk. For example, if you're going to talk the talk, you've got to walk the walk. Walk it like you talk it. Or simply walk the talk. There are other similar phrases. Talk is cheap. Actions speak louder than words. And of course, the famous one, practice what you preach. Those who fail to practice what they preach are said to talk a good game. Or, as they say in the United Kingdom, in England, I like this one, that guy is all mouth 
and no trousers. <laughs> Isn't that a great picture? He's just yakking, and all of a sudden he looks like goes, whoa! <laughs> all mouth and no trousers. Embarrassing place to be. What in the world does this have to do with the sermon today? It has a lot to do with it. Because friends, in Ephesians chapter 5, God calls us to walk the talk. If you know anything about the book of Ephesians, it can be summarized with three words. Sit, chapters 1 to 3. Sit at God's feet and learn what God says about you. Walk, which is the section we're in here. Walk. We're going to see the word walk. Walk in the light. Walk worthy of your calling. And then stand. Bentley's going to preach about standing. The mighty old misgrad is going to tell us to stand firm in the faith. And that's in chapter 6. Sit, walk, stand. Well, we're in the walk section. So this section is about walking the talk. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2, if you just take a look at that, what does God command us to do in Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2? Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Wow, that's pretty heavy. That's walking the talk, man. Hey, you're a child of God? Then imitate him. Whoa, imitate God? That's a tall order. It is. But he commands us to walk the talk. And then if we go down, the the message I preached last week, look at Ephesians 5, 7 to 14. And in that passage, he commands us. He commands us in verse 8. Look look at verse 8, Ephesians 5, 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So there's the talk. Your light in the Lord. That's the talk. Now here comes the walk. Walk as children of light. Walk the talk, man. Be who you are is the way we've been terming it recently. What's the talk? It's the gospel talk. It's what the Bible, it's what God says about us. Though we may not feel it, it's what the Bible says about you and me. That's the talk. It's the gospel. It's what Jesus has come and done in our lives. If you are a believer, if you have bowed your life to Christ, then this is what the Bible says about you. And not only are you to talk about it, you're to walk it out. Walk the talk. You see, folks, we don't want to be standing here all mouth and no trousers. That would be embarrassing. Thanks be to God, he does not leave us standing here with no trousers. He clothes us with the righteousness of Christ, and then he calls us to grow into those clothes, doesn't he? I know what you're thinking. Wow, I'm going to imitate God. I'm not there yet, Al. That's okay. You got the clothes on. It's like when your little kids put on your suit, dads, and it looks funny on them, but then they grow into that suit. Okay? So we're, we're growing into. That's what it means to walk the talk. You're not there yet, but you're moving in that direction. And today, we see here today that he seals us with his spirit And then today, he calls us to be filled with the Spirit. See, God calls us to walk in wisdom as we are filled with the Spirit daily. This is how we can walk the talk. This is how we can be who we are in Christ. This is how we walk Christ's gospel talk. And it's the main point of the message. Walk in wisdom as you are filled with the Spirit. Walk in wisdom as you are filled with the Spirit. So point one, walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. Look at Ephesians 5.15. 
Ephesians 5.15, what does it say there? Look carefully then how you walk. The Greek word that, that is translated walk there, that Greek word, you know, the New Testament is written in Greek, so, we, so translators translate that Greek word into an English word. And, and one of the ways you can translate that Greek word into English is walk, and it's an acceptable way, and it's a right way. But there's a range of meaning. You have to understand that that language in the first century, there was, there was a range of meaning. And see, one of the big meanings of that word walk wasn't just simply to walk. I'm walking. But the range of meaning was a lifestyle, behavior, one's, one's values, one's priorities. And, and that's what that word peripete, which is the, the Greek word, when it's translated walk, it carries with it some freight that is beyond just walking. It's how do you live your life? How do you behave? So what what, what God is saying here is, look carefully how you live, how you behave. I want you to live and behave and walk, have a lifestyle that's consistent with who you are in Christ. I want you to walk the talk. You say you're a Christian. I say you're a Christian. You are a Christian. Now walk it out. That's your identity. Walk out your new life in Christ. Your behavior, your lifestyle, your priorities, your calendar. Your checkbook. These should all reflect your new identity in Christ. Otherwise, you are standing there all mouth, no trousers. And everybody else sees it but you. Some of you are really bad in the morning. You're not quite awake yet, right? So you get the first cup of coffee. Imagine standing in Starbucks, half asleep, realizing, I didn't put my trousers on today. Oh, cool, I'll take a latte, smooth latte, skinny vanilla bean choco waco. <laughs> and everybody behind is going, Do your priorities, your calendar, your checkbook, do they, do they reflect your new identity in Christ? Do they? See, as I mentioned before, Ephesians 4.1, Corey preached this. It tells us to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. It's not your calling. God called it. You're called. You respond, but walk worthy of it. In Ephesians 4.17, God says, don't walk any longer as the Gentiles, those who don't know me, darkened in their minds. But in Ephesians 5.8, we just looked at it, but rather walk in the light because you are children in the light. Walk the talk. That's what God is saying to us here. And I want you to notice something. Look again at verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. This is a model of what we call put off, put on. Stop being what you no longer are and start being who you really are. So it's that Put off the old, put on the new. We've been looking at this whole way of looking at things in Ephesians, starting with chapter 4. And it's the same thing. Listen, don't be unwise, because you're no longer unwise. But be wise, because you are wise in Christ. So what does it look like to walk as wise men and women? Now notice I didn't say, what does it look like to walk as a wise guy? We've got that one down. But how do we walk in wisdom? Well, look at verse 16. Verse 16 says what? It says, Making the best use of the time 
because the days are evil. By making the best use of the time, listen, that that making the best use of the time, we can translate that as redeem the time, buy the time back from its evil bondage. How many of us look back at our lives and we feel like we've wasted time? Well, guess what? We can't do anything about the time that we've wasted, or we can't we, we, we can't do anything about the time that we use for evil purposes. Many of us weep over that. Aren't you glad the blood of Christ covers that? But we can do something about the time that lies ahead. We can buy it back. We can pay it forward. We can redeem it now. Because we can live it for God's purposes. We can make the most use of the time. We can use it to its fullest for God. I, I love working with Corey Smidgen. He, he is a walking quote machine. Dude's got to write a book. That's all I say. So we're talking about this on on Thursday. And he just throws this statement out as if like, yeah, you know. He goes, Al, every minute is progressing toward God's appointed end. Isn't that cool? Every minute, every minute is progressing towards God's appointed end. Our job is to figure that out and progress with it. How many times have we wasted minutes? When you waste a minute... You end up wasting an hour. When you waste an hour, you waste a day. When you waste a day, you waste a year. When you waste enough years, you waste a lifetime. Young people, God is saying, don't waste your life. Use it well in the Lord because that's who you are, your wisdom, not foolishness. And that's the second way. How do we, un- how do we walk in wisdom? Well, we understand God's will. Look at verse 17. Look at verse 17. By the way, the smidgen quote, in case you're writing this down, it's a great one. Every minute is progressing toward God's appointed end. Every minute is progressing toward God's appointed end. Yes, it is. All right, next, how do you walk in wisdom? Well, you not only redeem the time, you not only make the best use of the time or use time well, but secondly, you understand God's will. Verse 17, look what it says. Therefore, do not be foolish. I want you to see, by the way, this put off, put on. Therefore, do not be foolish, put it off. You're no longer a fool, you were a fool. Stop acting the fool. Because you're no longer a fool. You are now wise in Christ. Don't be foolish. Now look at the put on. But understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. This is what it means to walk in wisdom. How do we understand what the will of the Lord is? Right here. Right here. Right here. So if you want to walk the talk, you've got to read this thing. You gotta bring it with you on Sunday morning. You gotta mark it all up and use it. And this one isn't marked up and used, okay? I will grant you that. Because I use an electronic one, but I'm not gonna use an electronic one up here because my wife told me it looks weird if you're reading from your iPhone the Word of God. You need to be reading something that looks like this. Because the young people all understand it, but the old people think you're like some cult figure or something, you know, getting messages from outer space. No, you gotta read this thing. So this is the word of God, but is yours marked up? Do you read yours? Do you know where Ephesians is? Do you understand the word of God? Does it, does it sing to you? Does it breathe to you? Does it live to you? This is the will of God. Now, there are two wills of God. I will grant you that. So understanding the will of God primarily is getting in the word and letting the spirit of God reveal it to you. That's the revealed will of God, or some call the general will of God. I mean, this Bible tells me that I am not to be sexually immoral. We've been talking about the last two weeks. Ephesians 5, first part there. That word pornea, sexual immorality. Not to do that. 
That's God's revealed will. I don't have to pray about that one. I have to pray to be able to follow it, but I have to pray to understand. There it is, right there. I read it. God speaks to me. That's your, that's your will, Lord. But there are other wills of God that are hidden, which, in fact, they're called the hidden will of God or the particular will of God. I'll give you an example. I'm moving from one insurance provider to another. We have been with a Christian uh, organization. It's not called insurance. Okay, it's, I forget what they call it. Uh, and uh, we're, we're moving now to another one because of family situations and issues. And, and I'm trying to figure out, should I do this? Can I afford it? What's going on? Now, God has a will here. And by the way, his will is going to be accomplished. I just don't know it right now. <laughs> so what do I do? I read his revealed will. I counsel with good friends, people that know more about finances than I do, Corey Smidgen. <laughs> and, uh, and I talk to my wife, but I don't know his, his will. I'll let you know in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> That's his hidden will. But we're, we're to seek that as well. God calls us to walk in wisdom. And how can we do that? How in the world are we able to understand God's word and even get understanding with his hidden will? How are we able to trust God with his hidden will? For some of you, you're trusting him for some things you would love very dearly to have. Children. A job that pays you enough to support your family. Fill in the blank. That's God's hidden will. How do you trust him for that? How do you obey his revealed will? Well, that's the second point. You're filled with the Spirit. You're filled with the Spirit. That is point two. God commands us to be filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. Look at verse 18. By the way, verse 18, once again, you've got this put off and put on. Look what it says to put off. And do not get drunk with wine. Notice it doesn't say do not drink wine. It says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. What is debauchery? Listen, debauchery is just another word for recklessness. It's another word for saying, I am going to throw caution to the wind. I don't care about the consequences. Does that ever describe a drunk? Okay. I'm going to get in my car and drive drunk. Forget the consequences. You know, I'm going to act the fool and wake up the next morning and go, oof. Those were the, that's debauchery. Recklessness. Who cares about the consequences? Don't get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Now, I want to I teach you something here. I want you to put your finger on this, this, this passage right here. Okay, In verse 18, we have two imperatives. Now, stay with me. You're in a middle school auditorium, so I'm going to give you a middle school grammar lesson. Okay? You have two imperatives in verse 18. An imperative is a command. These two imperatives, these two commands are going to control everything that happens from 18 down to 21. And the two imperatives are what? What do you think they are? Don't get drunk, but be filled. Those are imperatives. Those are commands. Those are verbs that act as commands. They're not suggestions. God isn't saying, hey, if you kind of think about it, I suggest to have a better life, to have a more healthy life, to be environmentally correct. Don't get drunk. It's not a suggestion here. He's saying, don't get drunk, do be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, let's look at the rest of the the section there. Look at verse 19. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns. Circle addressing. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing, circle singing, and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Verse 20. Giving, circle giving, thanks 
always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, submitting, circle submitting to one another out of the reverence of Christ. What do all four of those words have in common? The old ING words, right? Okay, here we go. It's going to send a shudder through some of your spines. These are participles. Ah, no, not the deadly participle. Yes, that thing you never understood when you went to school. But the participles here, these participles relate to the command and primarily the command to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So here's the command. Negative, don't get drunk, but positive. This is the one we want to focus in on. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit is what? Verse 19, you're addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This is what a person filled with the Spirit does. Verse 19b, you're singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart. Verse 20, you're giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 21, you're submitting to one another out of reference. This one command... Be filled with the Spirit, then, then results in these four participles. Addressing, singing, giving, submitting. Do you see that? It's very, very important. And, and the reason I believe that it's put in distinction to getting drunk is because when you're drunk, you're controlled by that alcohol. Now, I'm not sure if this is actually the case here in Ephesus, but there are some that would say that there was a God that many of these Christians used to worship before God saved them. Dionysus. And guess, he was the God of what? What do you think? You got it, man. Very smart people here. He's the God of wine. And guess how you used to worship old Dionysus? You'd like, some of you would have liked this. How do you worship that bad boy? You get drunk, man. And sadly, in this I don't relish, and this is why probably the sexual immorality piece was there, and then you would partake in orgies in the temple. Talk about bad doctrine leading to bad behavior. And so you would get drunk so that, so that what would fill your body is the ability to comply with Dionysus' will. Watch your step. Dionysus' will. So what, what, what God is saying here is don't get drunk with wine and get into some raving, lunatic, reckless, wild partying of a night. Make that your lifestyle and orgies. Oh, it looks like fun. But if you know anybody that's in that lifestyle, look at them when they're about 50. Yeah, any rock star. Some even on TV now. I mean, their faces look like they're from the crypt. It's like, whoa, got a lot of miles on you, bro. It, it, it doesn't work. But even more importantly, it doesn't honor God. So instead of being controlled by that, oh, you're controlled by the Spirit of God. You're, uh, you're, you're addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We'll look at that in a moment. You're singing. Instead of, your, instead of just this crazy singing of a drunk, you're singing glorious praises to God. You're submitting to one another. You're giving thanks to one another. You're under the control of the Spirit of God. Now, let me make one distinction before we start looking at these results. We're going to take a look at these four results, these four participles. I want to make something very clear. Here at Palm Vista, we want to make a distinction between being baptized in the Spirit, which we believe scripturally happens at your conversion. The Spirit of God is the one that regenerates you or makes you alive. You are baptized in the Spirit at your conversion. 
There's no subsequent experience in the baptism of the Spirit. It occurs at conversion. But what the Bible does teach here is that we are to be filled with the Spirit ongoingly. Ongoingly. You know, here you have, listen, in this text you have a wonderful, wonderful picture of the Trinity. You've got the Spirit who mediates the triune God's fullness in us. The Father, the Son, the Spirit. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's wonderful. Okay, so we've got these four participles, these ing words, addressing, singing, giving, and submitting. They depend on this one command to be filled with the Spirit. And that is to say that the four participles arise from, result from, obeying that command to be filled with the Spirit. So, when one is filled with the Spirit, it results in a life that is marked by these things. And what are these things? Well, look at verse 19. Look at verse 19. The first one is biblical fellowship. Biblical fellowship. Now, what are you talking about, Al? It doesn't look like biblical fellowship there to me. When I read verse 19, this is what it says. Addressing one another, verse 19a, by the way. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, comma. So 19a, biblical fellowship. What is being spoken of here is when we get together, we are singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. We are declaring truth about who God is. Notice, what does it say? To God? No. What does it say in 19? To one another. To one another. We're declaring the truth of God to one another. This is what biblical fellowship is. It's what the world cannot experience. We're we're sharing the life of God together. We happen to be doing it in a unique context of singing, of hymns, of spiritual songs. I believe that includes speaking as well. Let me try to explain that to you. And by the way, I believe this occurs primarily on Sunday morning. But oh, it's to occur elsewhere. Certainly. But it it has to occur here. That's why you need to come here. Because not only are you praising God, but you're declaring things to one another when we sing. Here's an example. Can you put this up or am I going to throw you guys for a loop? Name above all names. Can you put verse 1 up? Okay, here's a song. Okay, in in this song, what we're doing in verse 1 of name above all names, we're not singing to God here. We're making declarations about God. Look, from the brightness of his glory, Jesus, the son of God, descends, takes on the nature of a servant, Jesus, obedient to death. We're doing Ephesians 5.19. In a sense, we're turning and singing to one another. You know, Liliana, I'm singing, from the brightness of his glory, Jesus, the son of God, descends. And I'm encouraging her. She's encouraging me. You know, we're turning and we're declaring to one another. Now go to um, the chorus. Ah, Now in the chorus, what are we doing? I'm going to get to that in a moment. We're doing 19b, and let me read that. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Now I love that, with your heart, not just in your heart. But see, look at at the chorus. You are hiding. Notice how the pronoun goes from, from sort of we to now you, which is the second person you. First person I, second person you, okay? So you are highly exalted. Name above all names, worthy of all praise. Keep going on the chorus. You are reigning in glory. Jesus, you are the king over everything, exalted to the highest place, given the name above all names. So so we're we're turning from encouraging one another to then worshiping the Lord. And go to verse 2. So then we're singing again to one another, you know. I'm saying the tomb is empty. 
And I'm singing to Jay, smidgen. I'm saying, Jay, the tomb is empty. Christ is risen. I mean, it's not even wrong to just turn and say, hey, the tomb is empty. I mean, guys, get into it, man. Right? A lot of us are Hispanic, and if we're not, we're all, most of us are all crazy. So just get crazy. I mean, t- tonight, when you watch the heat, are you just going to be sitting there? Whoa, did you see that move? Yeah! Do that. I mean, turn to someone and just say, Jesus, the Lamb once crucified, the angels never cease to worship, Jesus in heaven glorified, and then go back to the chorus. What do we do? We join the angels. Go ahead and put it up there. You, so um, now we're, we're singing, man, there's angels singing here. Let's go worship. Let's go join them. That's what's happening in biblical fellowship, which is the second point, then worship God. Back to the notes. I'm going to keep you guys busy back there. And that's the second part of verse 19. Not only do we have biblical fellowship, but then under that point 2b, we worship God together. 19b, the second part there, which says that we're singing and making melody to the Lord with our hearts. I, I, I was interacting with Joe Juan Del Monte uh, about worship because we're, we're mixing things up with the worship. We've got three guys now that are going to carry the load over the summer. Zeke. Joe and Nathan. Nathan led this morning. Joe's going to lead next week. And, and so we were just talking. And I said, Joe, it's great working with you on worship. You know, tell me how you view putting together a worship set. And he was sharing with me. And I was like, yeah, I agree with that. And this is great, guys. And I just wrote this to him. I, I said, you know, Joe, some songs are designed to simply sing to the Lord in pure worship of him. And other songs are designed to declare truths about God that exhort one another to worship God. And, 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 then, and then I just said, I just said, I believe this occurs primarily in our Sunday morning worship time, though it certainly can and should occur in smaller gatherings, in our community groups or home groups, in our informal worship times with friends, in our family devotions, and even in our private quiet times. If you walked by my little office at home in the morning, you would hear me singing, which is why I do it privately in my office, so no one does hear me singing. But I've got the earpieces in, and I'm singing really loudly, because it sounds good to me, because I'm hearing the CD, Right? But I'm worshiping God in my heart. It's coming out of my mouth because I love him and I thank him. And that's C. This is now the the third result of being filled with the Holy Spirit is a heart of gratitude toward God. Remember, these are results. These are participles. They're not imperative verbs. These are participles, I-N-G words. Okay, The, the imperative verb is be filled with the Spirit. These are results of being filled with the Spirit. I have a heart of gratitude. Read verse 20 with me there. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, if you ever have a Trinitarian formula right there or or just the view of the Trinity, we're filled with the Spirit, so we're giving thanks to God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's the Trinity, pal. There's the Trinity. Powerful. Listen. We thank God instead of complaining against Him. That is what one filled with the Spirit does. There is no room for murmuring, no room for grumbling, no room for that, only thanksgiving and praise. By the way, when it says we give thanks, giving thanks always and for everything, we have to be careful for that one. You've got to remember, we are never to thank God for evil. I believe what it's saying here, rather, is that we are thanking God for God. We are thanking God for being God and trusting Him in the midst of the trials. That's what I think it means. Romans 8.28 kind of helps us understand this passage. When you get to a passage like this that kind of can sort of not make sense, 
Lord, you're asking me to thank you for cancer? Uh Uh-uh. I can't do that. And you're right. It's evil. You can't. I love what Tim Kelso said. You know, my mom is gone. But, but the body, and she's in a better place than she is. She's with the Lord. But the body that housed those murderous cancer cells are dead with her. There's something in us that hates evil. It's that image of God. And we shouldn't thank God for evil. But we're thanking God for God that in the midst of the evil, God is working good for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. That's the Romans 8.28. We're thanking him, saying, God, you are God. Even though I'm suffering terribly, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. Do you see how Christological it is? It's centered on Christ. We thank the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's also Trinitarian. We're filled with the Spirit. It's powerful stuff. What's what's another result of being filled with the Spirit? It's mutual submission to one another. Now, let me just tell you, verse 21... Uh, is a transition verse. So we're going to see verse 21 again. Actually, we're going to see this verse next week again. So don't get mad at me if I preach a little bit from 21 next week as well. Because 21 is a transition verse. It's a verse that, that helps me understand what being filled with the Spirit means in mutual submission, and then it helps me spring forward as God begins to, in, to instruct us what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit in our marriages, what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit in our parenting, what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit in our workplaces. What, the, what Luther would call the house tables. Hausentaufen. He's the first one that named it that way. The house tables. In other words, what does it look like to be filled with the Spirit in everyday life, man? But before we get there next week, this week we've got to say, it looks like mutual submission to one another. Look at verse 21. Submitting to one another. And notice how Christological this, how centered on Jesus Christ this is, out of reverence for Christ. I submit to you because firstly I'm submitted to Jesus. And if I'm not submitting to you, and we're going to define that a little bit here and next week, then I'm really not submitted to Jesus. It's the same thing as the Bible saying, listen, the two greatest commandments is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You can't say you love God if you don't love your neighbor. You talk about walking the talk, right? Whoa, now you're getting personal here. You see, Jesus is meek. Jesus is gentle. Jesus is humble. And so those who are filled filled with the Spirit, and especially in Miami, Florida, I alluded to this last week in that that, that sad example of how I reacted at that store when I went to bring uh, the wine back that was bad. And sometimes the way I drive, sometimes. (laughs) Well, the way I drive, let's just put it that way. And uh, we might against the opposite of being filled with the Spirit, which is aggressiveness and brashness and self-assertiveness. And if there's ever a city where you think you have to be brash, assertive, and aggressive, it's Miami, Florida. But that's not who we are. Every time I do that, it's like I'm standing there, all mouth and no trousers. Oh, God, help me. And he does. He does. He says, Al, you fear me. Al, you are filled with my spirit because I called you. And as you are, you're submitting to one another. Here's the question for you. Is it easy to work with you? Would people say that you're hypersensitive to criticism? How do you respond when you don't get your way? When your idea isn't celebrated, your insight isn't applauded? See, this is what it means to be filled with the Spirit. 
We're easily entreatable. We're meek. Not weak, meek. We're gentle. We're kind. Being filled with the Spirit results in mutual submission. I think what this, what this verse is talking about, that, that I think what, when it talks about submitting to one another, it's the corporate nature of being filled with the Spirit. All of these imperatives, as a matter of fact, there's five imperatives in the, in the text we just looked at. I highlighted the last two, but the previous three, all of them were in the second person plural. So the pe- second person singular is you. Desi, I would like you to go get a makeover tomorrow, have a whole day at the spa, okay? There you go. She's saying, yes, I got you. (laughs) But what scripture says is, Desi, I would like, okay, second person singular, I would like you be filled with the Spirit. But that's not, all these imperatives aren't in the second person singular. No, no, sir. They're in the second person plural. Now, we don't use this unless you're from the South, but that's the you all version, okay? He's not saying you, he's saying you all. That's important. This mutual submission is we are to be filled with the Spirit. We are to demonstrate. All of us collectively are standing there yapping our gums with no trousers on when we fail to do this. The world calls it hypocrisy. God help us. It's Christ-centered. It's community. It's self-control, humility, it's service, it's, it's heartfelt singing, passionate worship of God, Monday to, to Saturday, re- expressed on Sunday, it's, it's serving one another in garage sales, it's, it's helping one another when, when one has a child, bringing meals, it's, it's helping those that are, that are suffering. I want, I want you to be praying for a family, Ramon and Cindy. Ramon attends the church in the Dominican Republic. Uh, La Iglesia Internacional Bíblica. And um, I got a call two days ago saying Ramon is is here because his 10-year-old little girl has leukemia. And he explained the leukemia and I I couldn't write it down, but it's the bad one. It's not the good one. And I I visited them on Friday in Children's and she's a beautiful little 10-year-old girl and really going through it. And so, so, you know, I I called Don. I said, Don... Help me to know how to care for this couple. If you don't know Don, George, and Chris, and they had a son, ten, they have a son, ten years old. When he was diagnosed today, he's thirteen, and he's 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 I believe he's healed totally, and by medicine, by prayer, whatever you want to say, he no longer has this. And so I said, they have a, a, an organization called Christian uh, Children Battling Cancer CBC. How do I how do I deal with them? How how can I give them hope? What are some do's? What are some don'ts? This is your world. I I, I drop into this world periodically, but help me. And so she gave me some great tips and said, look, we're available to go down. We're available to go visit them. See, that's what we're talking about. It's this mutuality. See, th- this is the appeal. This is the appeal of this text today, that being filled with the Holy Spirit concerns our relationships. If we're filled with the Spirit, friends, we have harmony in our relationships. We love God. That's that worshiping him. We thank God. That's that God word. And then we speak in love to one another. We love one another. That's speaking those truths in love, addressing one another, submitting to one another. See, spirit-filled believers love God and they love each other. Now, you're probably sitting here thinking, well, Al, how can I be filled with the Spirit? I would be asking that question if I were you. You should be asking that question because God certainly commands you to be. How? 
how can I do that, Al? Well, let's go back. Let's go back to verse 18. I want you to look at that verse. And I want you to look, I want you to drop into that second part of the verse that says, be filled with the Spirit. Put your finger on that. But be filled with the Spirit. So the first thing I want you to do is I want you to try to understand that this was written, God used language to communicate truth. And he used the Greek language. He chose to do that. So one of the things you can do is buy a good commentary that helps you with the Greek language. I think P.T. O'Brien has a commentary on Ephesians from the Pillar. Pillar, P-I-L-L-A-R, Pillar Commentary Series. It's good. It's a little easier to use. So you don't just have the Greek in Greek, which you look at and go, what does that mean? But he, he kind of spells it out in, in, in English letters, and then he, he talks to you about it. There are others. Clinton Arnold would be one. But if you look at that Greek word for, for be filled, you've got you to gotta understand four things about that verb, that imperative verb, be filled. And those four things help us understand how we can be filled with the Spirit. First of all, it is a command from God. It's an imperative. So this is not optional equipment. This isn't optional Christianity. This isn't, you know, weirdo 101. Okay? Oh, that's that guy. He's filled with the Spirit, you know. No, 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 no. This is normal Christian life. Secondly, it's in the plural form. I already alluded to that. We are all to be filled. So being filled with the Spirit is worked out corporately. That's why it's so important for you to come to church on Sunday and be filled with the Spirit corporately. We have no trousers if we fail to do that. There is no individual, me-only Christianity. And then what you do after church, go visit one another, have a meal with one another. During the week, somehow have community. This is being filled with the Spirit. Thirdly, this is an important one, this verb is in the passive form passive form so the idea is let the holy spirit fill you there is no technique there is no formula there are just set desperate hearts now listen penitent hearts repentant hearts that cry out to god and turn from what grieves the holy spirit Ephesians 4.30 told us that, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, turns from grieving the Holy Spirit and cries out to God and says, Oh God, fill me. Hearts that are in this word. You want to be filled with the Spirit, you're in His word, you're praying. Listen, if you want to get hit by a truck, you don't stand in this auditorium and say, Oh, hit me with a truck. No, 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 no. You go out to the palmetto and you stand in the middle of the palmetto. You will get hit by a truck. So if you want to get filled with the Spirit, don't stand in the world and say, fill me with the Spirit. No, no, no. Get in the highway. See, there's this wonderful balance between God's sovereign initiative. He called you. He sealed you with the Holy Spirit. In chapter 1, it tells us that, verse 23. That's salvation. He sealed you with the Spirit. But now here in chapter 5, verse 18, he says, be filled with the Spirit. He's still the primary mover, but now we have to work with him. There is a synergy. Here, this is monergism, which is mono, one. Okay, Synergism, together. God's still the primary mover, but you, we have to do something. Get in the highway. Come to church. I don't care if you feel like it or not. Open the Bible. Read it. I don't care if you... I mean, in the morning, I'm just, the last couple of mornings, I'm just like, boom, I'm here, Lord. There is no desire, there's no joy, but this is life. Everything else is death. I'm here. <laughs> I mean, okay, I love basketball. 
So my first thing is, I want to check, how did the heat do last night? We don't have cable, so I, I go on the internet. I said, no, there is no life there, especially last game. There is no life there. There's pure death in that game. There may be death tonight, too. Death. But here's life. Whatever joy I get from the heat winning and seeing LeBron and Dwayne soaring for dunks, it's short-lived. The Mavericks won the title last year. People mocked them. They're at home or wherever they go when the season's over. But this joy, this is life. It's not works. It's obeying God. It's obeying God. And then, fourthly, I want you to notice that the verb, well, you wouldn't know this, but the commentary would tell you this. This verb is in the present tense. Present tense. Well, Whoopie Al, what does that mean that it's in the present tense? Well, let me explain it to you. And this is where commentary will help you. It's where you've got to read and study. Okay? What the present tense means in Greek is that it's, it's got this ongoing nature. Ongoing nature. For example, by distinction, in Ephesians 1.13, when it says that we were sealed with the Holy Spirit, sealed with the Holy Spirit, sealed is in the past tense. There's a fancy word for that. It's called aorist. So it's a point in time, sealed with the Holy Spirit. One time, baptized in the Spirit. You are saved. Holy Spirit made you alive. Gave you the ability to have faith and repentance. Sealed with the Holy Spirit. One point in time. Be filled is present tense. Ongoing. You can almost say, be being filled. That's important. That that helps me understand what the nature of be being filled filled with the Holy Spirit is all about. It's kind of this already not yet, right? Some of you are like, enough with the already not yet. Now, I'm going to keep talking about it. Listen, in Ephesians, it says, it says this, you guys share in the fullness of Christ because you're his body. Already. Jesus is full. There's nothing empty in Jesus. There's nothing lacking in Jesus. He's God. But then at the same time, you know what else it tells us? It says, but you are to attain to the fullness of Christ. Well, which is it? It's both and. Ah, There's the already not yet. We're already the fullness of Christ, but we have to attain to the fullness of Christ. We have the clothes, but they're a little big for us. We have to grow into them. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit, but ongoingly filled with the Holy Spirit. But see, what encourages me is the end is assured. We will be like Christ one day. We base our relationship with God on what Christ has done, not on what we do, but what we do is important. But the foundation of my relationship is on what He did. He died for me. Through Him, I'm adopted in Christ. I I went from darkness to light in Christ. But there are implications of that. Do you see that? It's a fine line. It's a fine line that we must get. So, to conclude, (laughs) be filled with the Spirit, brothers and sisters. Serve one another in mutual submission out of reverence for Christ. Speak to one another psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make melody in your hearts to God. Give thanks always and for everything to God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ.
Let's do that now. Bow your heads, please. Let's maintain a a heart of worship here as the worship team comes up. Father, I pray to you in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus Christ, your strong Son, our Savior. And I ask, Lord God, that you would give us hope that we would be being filled with your Spirit daily. Lord, there are so many things that we can look at here. And I know that this was a lot of information, but I pray that folks would be able to chew on this like like a good steak, like a good meal. Lord, and be able to digest it by your grace and be able to understand, Lord God, your part in this, which is the part. Without you, we would not even be here. But Lord God, we'd understand our part as well to, to obey you, to be filled with the Spirit. You have filled us, but we are being filled. Thank you for filling us. Thank you for calling us. Thank you for for, for giving us all that we need. Give us the grace now to walk it out as we stand and as we worship you together and, and fulfill, especially verse 19. In Jesus' name, amen.